Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm sitting down with my friend Alexandra. Now, before we jump into things, I just have a couple couple things to say. Uh, first of all, if you haven't checked out my older sister's new podcast, uh, she has a name too, you absolutely should. It talks about uh, who women are when they're not being called mom, the individuals uh, behind the title mother. Uh, since this episode's being released shortly after Mother's Day, I think it's a it's a suiting time for these sorts of conversations. So go check that out. She has a name too, wherever you listen to podcasts. The second thing I wanted to mention before we jump into this conversation is that we do touch on a couple more sensitive topics in this conversation, specifically uh, sexual abuse and post-traumatic stress. Now, we don't go into detail, but the the topic is discussed, so I just wanted to give a heads up that that's part of this conversation. So with that, I'd just like to give the encouragement I give every episode, that is to take some time out of your day today to sit down, to have a conversation with somebody around you, especially during times like this, hard times, and even during the easy times. Just make five minutes in your day to sit down and listen intently to the people around you. Alexandra Cole, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you for having me. Like I mentioned, we start with how we know each other. Uh, so if you'd like to fill in the audience on, on how we got in touch and uh, yeah, and how we know each other. Yeah, so I, um, so I run a blog called Podgerland where I write about women-led podcasts um and i was on twitter one day and i responded to i believe it was a pod chaser i could be mistaken but i think it was a pod chaser post um that was seeking to connect people who wanted to be guests and people who needed guests so i responded to it and then you responded to mine and we did another podcast episode for your podcast the people of home and now we're here. Um, and they'll actually, those two episodes will probably be out like the same week, uh, actually. Um, so kind of convenient timing. Um, but yeah, uh, we got in touch through the podcast community as it has been a lot lately, because that's been my social life since I can't go out and meet anybody else in the world, right? Um, but yeah, and and the episode we did on the People of Home went fantastic as well. So then going from there, uh, why don't you fill us in? Uh, where are you from? So I am from Maryland. I grew up in a suburb in between Baltimore and Annapolis. And I've, I've lived there since I was three. I mean, I don't currently live there, but I grew up there for pretty much the whole uh, whole time of my childhood. Uh, you're actually the second person from Maryland that I've interviewed. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, actually, my friend Andrea is from Maryland. What part? I forget which which area she's from, though. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of funny. So tell tell me about Maryland. Like, what what was your favorite thing there growing up? It's funny because when I was, when I would say when I got to be a teenager, I definitely had the itching to leave and. I think I, I saw more that was wrong with my area rather than now looking back a lot of the positive things. So there are definitely negative parts to where I grew up. But I would say something I loved was that we really were 
very connected to a lot of different places. Like we could go into Baltimore and go to say the visionary art museum and have kind of a cool experience there. They do this thing called artscape where a bunch of, um, I don't think it's all local artists, but local artists and then maybe people who are local artists elsewhere and travel to be a part of the festival. Um, so there were a lot of like cool things that we could have access to. And then Annapolis, downtown Annapolis, um, those are really nice places. And then we're like 50 minutes outside of DC. So I, I love that I got to have kind of the, um, I don't want to say safe though. It was safe, like a safe area for the most part to live in and close connected with the people that I wanted to be around. Um, and then we also had kind of these major to minor cities within reach that had definitely a bit more like culture and diversity, um, than my town was, um, and still is. So that, that was a great part of it for sure. And we were kind of near the water. Um, so there was, there was a lot that you actually could have access to where I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause because the east, the eastern United States, it has a lot uh, more of a dense population, um, and I guess I mean I guess both coasts have have a pretty dense population. Um, so tell tell me more about um, the art museum. Like, were were you into arts growing up? Like, was that a was that a big thing for you and your family? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, my so my grandmother on my mom's side is an artist, and. It wasn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was like her career, but I mean, she makes plenty of commission off it and has since she's been doing it. Um, but yeah, that was something that she always did um, ever since she was young. And so by the time that me and my two sisters were born, um, we we did a lot of that, specifically me and like my, my sister who's three years older than me, we would do a lot of different types of creation. We'd like make movies, we'd make remakes of movies and Broadway shows that we really liked when we were younger. We'd, I took a lot of art classes um, at this place called the, what is it called? Maryland, Maryland Hall, I think, which is a place in Annapolis. Um, but during the summer specifically, we, when we would go to upstate New York, that's where my grandparents' house is, um, they my grandmother has like a whole studio. And so we would oftentimes do art projects um, in her studio and just get to do that pretty much every summer. And then we would make puppet shows. We would do pretty much everything we could artistically that we could get our hands on. Um, and then the Visionary Art Museum in Baltimore, that's one of my all time favorite museums. Um, it just, it has bizarre and like experimental art and I also know, I'm pretty sure this past, I don't know, sometime this past year, I don't remember exactly when, but it was recent. They, they um, made it so that every single artist that was showcased during like a particular either month or season were women artists. So that was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, so it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you come from a family uh, largely made up of women. You said you have two sisters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so I have two older sisters, one's three years older and one is eight years older. And then my mom and when my family dog was still alive, she was also a female dog. And so we just like to joke about that because my father was stuck in a house with like all women. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, we do. I wouldn't we say do stuck. <laughs> and, uh, and and your grandmother uh, was an artist or is an artist. Like, what what kind of art does she do? Damn, what's like what's the right way to explain this? She definitely does a lot of like landscape. Um, she does acrylic. I wish I'm so not good at explaining what she does. Um, it's really pretty uh, and complicated looking. Um, but she often does. I would say she she definitely does like more nature based. Uh, like I'm looking at one right now and it's like trees with this like mixed um, almost like watercolor of like um, cool tones and then like the reflection of the trees. But it's like a sketch and then like painted over. I don't know. She does a lot of cool like like layering as well in her her paintings and sometimes sometimes she'll do this thing where she uh takes images of like old pictures maybe people in our family like people from before her generation and she will like i think it's like paper mache over and then she the images are there and she will um paint over so it becomes like a painted portrait of these people and then have kind of like a a natural uh image throughout but she also does portraits like she drew she uh painted a portrait of my mother when she was younger um we have that painting somewhere but yeah she does a range she does a range of things she's really fantastic <laughs> that is super super cool um yeah that that's amazing so is that kind of um i guess did that inspire you in any way growing up? Uh, you mentioned going to their place and, and uh, doing crafts and stuff and doing your own art in her studio. Um, what more did that inspire in you? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll just say my grandmother was definitely always really encouraging for our artistic pursuits, whether that was, you know, drawing, painting or writing. She's also a fantastic writer though it's something she kind of just does on her own time um and my like when we played instruments me and my sister she was always very into that um and so we definitely got a lot of push from there um and I would say that has extended to the creation I do later on in life I'm much more in like the writing realm but I also will still draw and create stuff like that um when I have more downtime and actually yesterday I just uh I was feeling inspired to do my own version of like a New Yorker cartoon um so I like just like did a drawing and was kind of spending some time doing that and that's of course mis mixed with some level of writing because you kind of need to figure out what satirical funny thing you want to put in there um so for sure. It definitely has impacted me. And also just the fact that she's, she's so freaking prolific. Like she, she's, she just turned 91 last weekend and she is still produce. She produces so much and she always is like busy and just like continuing to work on her craft. And it's, that's definitely very inspiring in terms of my own work and where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is amazing, actually. That is very very cool. Um, and so uh, you mentioned you mentioned that you're more of a writer. Um, so is there uh, is there a first story you remember writing as a kid? 
I'm laughing because one of the first ones I can remember was like really fucked up. Um, I, I don't remember the specifics of it. And I know there were stories I wrote before this one, but this is the one I remember the most. Um, it was it was a combination of a drawing and a story. I drew this like really creepy looking girl, like like grudge type situation. Um, and I don't remember exactly what happened in the story, but... I think her name was like, I want to say like Estrega, but that's like, I think that's like the word for witch in Estrega is the word for witch in Italian, I think. Um, But I don't know. I like tried to come up with this like witchy, like creepy name, um, which is not really creepy. But in my like probably seven or eight year old head, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, And I drew this really creepy picture of this girl. And then like on the same page, I wrote like a horror story about her like killing people. I don't know. It was it was really Really? fucked up, but it's somewhere. I saved it somewhere because it's hilarious now. Um, That's awesome. I know. And I used to, and like, I'm not someone who's good with scary stuff either. But if like, I guess if I was in control of the narrative, it made it less scary to me and more entertaining. But like watching something like that, I could not handle. I can still barely, still barely handle it. <laughs> I, I can see how that makes sense. Cause you know, you're, you're telling the story as opposed to, you know, like you can see how the, the sausage is being mm-hmm. made. Right. Instead of uh, just kind of sitting there and being terrified. Um, so that's, huh, that, that is really funny. I feel like most people who write have some sort of, you know, first story. And that's why I ask, um, do you like, what would you say is the genre you usually write with now though? Mm, um, well, I feel like I have to put it into categories because, you know, there's the writing I do for my blog, which is very specific mm-hmm. to the blog there. There's a bit of like personal stuff that I include or like personal observations, but blog writing is very different than writing a nonfiction piece, um, like a personal mm-hmm. nonfiction piece or like memoir type situation. Um, I do tend to, I tend to kind of do a bit more I would say memoir and when I do do fiction it's very heavily reliant on my personal experience so it's Hmm. it's real life turned into fiction for the most part like I'll I'll take kind of composite um, versions of people or experiences that I've encountered in my life and then create fiction based off that so it does veer away from real life but I would say when I when I do that like I love to read and watch fantasy but I've yet to be able to write fantasy though I think it'd be awesome but world building is a completely different skill that I feel like I'm way more in the realistic like personal experience type realm Um, and then when I do like I also write songs sometimes and then I'll like perform them and those when I write songs those are pretty much pulled from personal experience so right i think that that's where my uh that's where my expertise lies right and then there's other stuff that i like to try out but i don't feel quite as um comfortable in it um and then i do a lot of essay writing and like academic writing and i'm extremely comfortable with that i've been doing it for over 10 years so (laughs) right yeah yeah you would get comfortable with it after after 10 years eh? um and so so a lot of a lot of what you write then uh, draws on personal experience. Um, are there any personal experiences that have informed your writing more than others? 
Yes. Um, and I'd say more so as of late. Um, so I'm trying to think of like timeline, I guess in the last like five years or last three years, definitely. So a lot of, a lot of my writing and actually a lot of my academic research is really focused on, um, trauma theory and transgenerational trauma. Um, you know, I really like like heavy shit. Um, but that's also based in personal experience. So like I, um, I was abused as a child, like sexually abused as a child. And I only started dealing with it in like the last three years. Like that's when I like actually started to have an onset of PTSD. Um, and that was, that coincided with like the Me Too movement and all like the Larry Nassar cases, case stuff and then Kavanaugh. So just like pretty much since Trump became in office, um, that was something that just kind of like, made something change in me where I was like, oh shit, I need to talk about this. Cause I never told anyone. Um, and I was like super repressed it for a long time. Cause it happened when I was very young. Um, but a lot of, like a lot of my writing, I like to deal with that in my writing. And I like to explore that and try and like, try and go not just like deeper into like how it affects a person, but kind of the aftermath like what comes after that and then how do you deal with that as an adult especially if you're currently in the mode of dealing with active PTSD um and just like healing journey so th these are things that come up a lot in my writing like I'm I'm workshopping a piece that I wrote last year in during graduate school um that's fiction but again very much inspired by some of my personal experiences. And so I'm workshopping that on this coming Sunday night with a writing group I'm in. And I don't know, I'm curious to see what they say, because part of part of what I also like to do is I think these types of stories need to be told and read more, be, A, because uh, people who have experienced it need to have community and like see that expressed in many different ways. Like I always remember the first time I read the first like book I read where there was a scene with sexual abuse in it was, uh, I know why the gauge bird sings by Maya Angelou. And I forever have loved her since. Cause it was the first time I saw an experience like mine reflected in literature and saw like anyone talk about it really. Like that just wasn't something that people were just openly talking about. Like we kind of are now. Um, and so I think it's important for people who have experienced it to read stories like that. And I also think it's important for people who haven't experienced it to read um, stories that involve it or scenes that involve it is because like as uncomfortable as it is to read those scenes, um, there's kind of a part of me that's like, I want you to be uncomfortable. Like I want you to sit with the reality that this is in our world a lot more than people like to acknowledge or talk about it. And if more people would acknowledge it, maybe there'd be less of it. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think, I think that's something that art is meant to do is to, to help you have an experience or help you at least understand an experience that, that you otherwise you'd have no idea about. I know when I watch movies, when I read books, I, I think about things and I'm like, oh, like I, I never realized, like I never thought about that. And so um, what kind of what kind of healing does uh, writing through these traumatic experiences uh, give you? What what does that do for you? 
Definitely more so like in conjunction with also going to therapy and having finally found a therapist who is properly trained in helping people heal through um, childhood sexual abuse or sexual assault in general. Um, Cause this is just a, an important side note and it's kind of on the forefront of my mind. Cause I, I saw a, a Twitter conversation about it yesterday, but not all therapists are trained well in addressing this and you know my first two therapists didn't really deal with it well when I told them not that they were like we don't believe you not that kind of thing but it's like I brought it up and then it was never talked about again and it just it wasn't the right Mm -hmm. thing so the one I'm currently with um has been helping me through that and like actually giving me tools and steps to take to kind of um address those situations but in conjunction with my writing um it it allows you to process in a different way where you're definitely taking more control of the narrative kind of what we talked about it's funny kind of relating to when I would write those scary stories it's like I was the one who was able to kind of map out this narrative and understand it in my way and reframe the narrative that's something I talk about a lot like reframing your narrative is a huge part of the healing process and kind of looking back at traumatic experiences and understanding okay what's what's a different way we can look at this because a lot of what comes with those experiences are shame and guilt and um, blaming yourself like that's a very common response um for survivors to be experiencing and so with writing you can you can look at that situation again and retell it in a different way where you're not the person who is wrong for being the victim you know um and that's that's something that comes up i don't know if you're familiar with um like trauma theory or like research on traumatic experiences at all but that's it. That's a huge part of it. There's uh, being able to talk about it and assimilate it into your like full experience rather than having it be this kind of separate, like when you're like repressing it and like keeping it separate, it becomes a separate thing that's not integrated into your whole experience. And because of that, it can cause you to get into like repetitive, um, repetitive, like trauma, repetition like finding things that continue to um either replicate the traumatic relationship or just kind of like mirror it in some way and so a way to combat that is to actually start to find new ways to tell that story and look at that story and understand it so that for writing definitely helps me do that yeah i i imagine it would like you mentioned um uh, about being able to be in control of the narrative and and reframe it in a way that you can understand it better and hopefully appreciate yourself better through it. Um, so I, I have a, a more practical question for you then. Um, if, if someone um, if someone has gone through this and experienced this, uh, what can somebody who hasn't, what can they do to to be helpful? Because you mentioned how you have uh, how you've had other therapists who weren't properly trained for this, um, and obviously anybody should seek out one who is. Um, but if 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 a friend comes to you with uh, with a sexual abuse um, issue or some other 
traumatic issue. What do you think um, the the listener can do to do to help or be there or support? Uh, what can we do? Yeah, um, I mean, and I can speak from my own experience. I'm sure some people might have like some alternate uh, things, but I would say generally, first thing believe what they're telling you is true. I mean, yes, there are some people who lie about these things, but it's very statistically small in comparison to the amount that it is actually happening. Um, so definitely believe them. Don't question it. Don't tell them that something they did is the thing that caused it. The thing that caused it is the person who chose to do it. Um, regardless of what situation you're in. So that's just, that's first really important. Um, I think for me, what was helpful is just having people listen. Um, and when I first told my parents, I also, I think, I think they handled it quite well for, you know, hearing something that also kind of broke their heart. Um, but something that I liked that they did was they asked if they could, um, ask me more about what actually happened, like the details of what happened. And, um, I think I, I like that because I don't think you should expect to get all the information the first time. Like it's hard enough to just say the words, um, that you were sexually abused or assaulted or molested, like anything of that. Like I, I say this a lot and I've said it before on like a previous podcast, but I used to not be able to say that word. Um, and when I would say it in like the first like year to two of kind of dealing with it, like I would cry every time. Like I still am a little, like I get shaky when I talk about it, but sometimes like if it's like kind of a new conversation, but I push through it because to me, it feels really important to be able to verbalize this for other people as well as myself. Um, but I think asking if it's okay, if you ask, but also being like, if you don't want to share anything more, totally fine. I'm here for you whenever you want. Um, I think that in terms of interaction is most important. And then I, I know it's hard, but if someone's actively kind of dealing with stuff, we're all dealing with our own stuff. Um, but reach out when you can, because sometimes that person might want to reach out, but it can be a lot more hard because they might still really be in like a blanket of shame and that makes people less likely to reach out to people, even if they've already told them what happened. Um, so I would say, you know, just like check in every once in a while, at least in like the beginning of the aftermath of that being shared. And I think, I think on your own time, you know, do as much research as you can to there's, there's plenty of information. Um, I wish I had something specific to give right, right now, but like, you could do a Google search and just kind of look up like, okay, what are the, what are the symptoms of PTSD? Um, what are some common symptoms of someone who's experienced sexual abuse? Just so you can understand, cause there's a lot of things that like can come into play relationship wise that I don't think I really realized until I started actively looking at it and dealing with it. And I was like, oh, this makes sense why I, respond this way in certain relationships and you know I just think the more informed you can be without having that person do the legwork for you is really helpful to the person who's dealing with the actual aftermath of this traumatic experience 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for filling that out. Um, and yeah, cause I, I mean, I think everybody knows, uh, somebody who, who has struggled with any variety of things, right? We all know, you know, hundreds of different people. And, uh, and I think we'd be surprised, um, how many people we can actually be there for, um, at least in some way, at least in, in a manner of just treating them well and showing them respect and kindness. Um, so, so as you've, as you've worked through this, uh, and I asked you a similar question when we talked on the people of home, have you seen, uh, your work, um, and just like your, I guess, ability to communicate about the things that you've gone through? Have you seen that help anybody else or impact anybody else at all? I have, and that's been really cool. Um, cause one of my biggest reasons for sharing is, I mean, cause it just, it, it enrages me that it's so prevalent, um, in our society. And the more I can speak out about it, the more I hope that has a ripple effect for other people to speak out. And that's, I mean, the reason that I finally was like, I have to talk about this a was because I was being like truly triggered, like every day and I just could not handle it anymore like I just like word vomited it up one day because it was just too much um but the reason I was able to speak was because all these other women spoke before me on such a large scale that it felt like oh I'm maybe not as alone as I thought I was or there's definitely community out there for me that can talk about this but but I have um and it's been so wonderful and I feel great appreciation for the people who have reached out to me to let me know what happened to them. Like I remember when all the, the Kavanaugh, um, stuff was happening. I posted, I posted something on Instagram and this was actually before I had, um, publicly shared about my experience with sexual abuse, but it was, I was just like talking about how I wished I saw more of the men in my circle speaking up about how this angered them. Um, and it wasn't just like the women talking about it. And, um, one of, one of my acquaintances, I'll say, um, reached out to me to let me know, like, she was just like, thank you for like talking about this. And this is what happened to me. And then after she shared that, I shared what happened with me to her. Um, so I've had that and I've also had, um, I had like someone I know through my family tell me something about that happened in their family and how seeing me talk about it publicly has been really helpful. And she was just like, I love that your generation is like speaking out about this more. So I've definitely, I've definitely had some like wonderful interactions, um, with people I know and some people that I don't, I've had some people like that. I don't know personally beyond the interwebs. (laughs) So like some people on Instagram who have connected through there, I've had them reach out and just kind of have, responses um and yeah it's been great i hope there's more of it i'm always super down to talk to anyone who needs to talk about this kind of stuff and i think that that's just important for people to know that there are plenty of individuals who have gone through this that are willing to talk about it um 
yeah so i'm I'm always down like if people want to dm me on instagram if they're looking for like resources i'm I'm always happy to share what i know at least yeah and and i think um i mean i i always say that that's you know that that communicating that talking that listening that that just interacting human to human um that that's the only way you can make a difference that's the only way you can uh make an impact in the world is just within within your circle and um and and being there and uh and being understanding for people so um kind of uh moving forward uh as as you've worked through this um what else uh we talked you mentioned at the top of the episode uh Padraland, your blog um is that is is that kind of tied in with this at all like is is that part of that same um community of empowering women and empowering this conversation yeah absolutely um Padraland was actually the first place that I decided to share about my own experience publicly um and it was because I was sharing a particular episode um that was focused on um on trauma so the guest on that episode Kate Van Horn she's like a blogger and she's like a wellness blogger and also does other work but she talks a lot about her experience with um sexual abuse and how she kind of healed through it and so that was an episode it's on that's how we'll live that's the podcast it's it's way in the archives now um on my website but you can definitely go and find it um but that was that was the day I was like you know what like I want to be able to talk about this publicly in my published work like something that people will read um because I have the pieces that I've worked on thus far, I haven't like gotten them. I haven't submitted them to be published. Um, uh, but these ones, it, it just felt important to be able to say, this is also a part of my experience. Like I know what I'm talking about with it. I've also done a lot of like, it's a big part of like my own research and what I've studied for in school and just all these things. And my blog post normally involves some personal information and it was just, it just felt like the right moment. And it is something that I will continually talk about on the page, like depending on what comes up. Like sometimes I have episodes that are really catered to like dealing with our mental health. And a big part of my mental health experience is going through PTSD and having that and dealing with depression and anxiety that in part is very much due to that experience, but there's also other factors that have come into play with at least like depression and anxiety. Um, but it'll come up and it, it continues to come up too, because, you know, these are all parts of our whole lived experience. And in terms of Padraland, like something I am, something I'm working to achieve is that the episodes that I am, um, that I'm, recommending to people and showing to people um they're they should cover everything in life everything we deal with things we need to learn things we um maybe need to see reflected and so that we feel seen so that's definitely a part of it and it continues to be a conversation um last week i just put up a post like a questionnaire about street harassment and I got a bunch of people responding about it. And we had, it was just like, it's a great place to connect about the things that are happening to a lot of us. So in short, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so, uh, what? I guess when did you start Podraland? When did you start doing this? I started in. So I officially published my first, like the actual website and my first post in July of 2019. So I'm coming oh, okay. up on a year soon. Nice. But I definitely was conceptualizing it in the winter before then. So mm-hmm. a little over a year. Um, and I'm I'm excited for the actual website to officially be a year in july so i'll I'll have to plan something special for that (laughs) yeah yeah have a big party um yeah that's really exciting and uh and i think it's really cool what you do um like the things that you communicate and and just you know shining a light on those things that maybe maybe don't get that light so often Mm -hmm. um, but are conversations that we need to have um, what's, what's one of the coolest things that, that has come out of having the blog? That's a hard question. There's like different types of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can give a few <laughs> answers, like a okay. few various <laughs> types of cool. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if th- this isn't exactly because of the blog but it was tangential to the blog so I attended after doing so I guess July August September after doing the blog for about like three or four months I ended up um flying to LA to go to work at festival which is put on by WNYC it's for women in podcasting it's this whole big festival and it was just one of those moments where I was like you know I don't have a lot of money to spare but this is worth it um and it was worth it and I did it in large part because I was so dedicated to getting this blog off the ground um and when I went uh it was just it was just dope to like be in this room full of many types of women in the field and like with many different types of experience levels and also jobs and just like be able to connect with them. And I also made a lot of connections that then either got me to checking out new podcasts that I didn't know about before that have now definitely been featured on the website. And then also particular people who've been featured on the pod radar, like monthly feature section um so like the base level really cool thing that's come out of it is that i now um like 10 months later i've met so many amazing women that i wouldn't have met if i didn't do this thing and so that's been really really cool for me and i've like made some really amazing connections um so that's that's the main thing i mean i definitely have like exciting things for like a, a small um a small like business i guess you could say um but like i've had some pretty cool reposts that have been exciting um like who was someone who i was like thrilled um like saw the post uh, who uh, like chelsea handler liked one of my pictures that was like her quote and i was like oh um and like event nicole brown um she gave me like a shout out so like when that happens it's super exciting because it's like oh shit you're like seeing my stuff and um and you like it and it's like nice to see that reflected because all i want is for the people who are quoted and who aren't quoted are just seeing that just really like what's being put out there and are feeling either like inspired or like invigorated by it um or seen you know um but but those are the coolest stuff 
always is when people reach out and let me know how the page is affecting them. That's always the coolest stuff. So when I get messages where people are like, wow, I've learned so much from all these women that you've highlighted, or this page makes me feel really good, like anything like that, that's, that's the coolest stuff, hands down. Hmm. Yeah, getting to see that, that like real world impact and being like, wow, like, you know, somebody's seeing this and somebody, somebody is appreciating what I do. Um, if you, if you didn't have any, any viewers at all, or at least none that you knew about, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. what would that change about the blog? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I, so the idea is that I might not know people are listening, but they are or reading. There, I mean, there might there might be people listening. As far as you know, nobody is, yeah. but there could be. You know, I think it's interesting because, like, prior to us having all those social media, like that's kind of what it was with blogs. I mean, you'd send it to your family and, like, you know, like hope it's shared that way. But there's such a less of an avenue to do that, and. You know, I think I, I, I'd like to think that I would still do it. I do it so that people will see it and read it and gain something from it and like enjoy it. Um, but it's also been really helpful to me for creating a space where I can kind of showcase my own self in this industry and also create a platform that is a um, like an example of the work that I can do. Um, and what I can write about. So it's it's kind of also my own personal part of my portfolio. Um, but I think I I don't know. I would I'd probably still keep it about the same the same tone because um, I I try to be pretty conversational with it in the hopes that many people are reading. Um, but I don't know. I guess I wouldn't really know until if that actually happened um but it would change the direct communication because through the social media and through hearing people who are responding like i'm able to more directly like reach out and ask them about it so i don't know it maybe i wouldn't put as many posts out maybe i would do it every other week instead because there wasn't as much of like a push to get it out so that people have something each week. It's just something that I that I think about sometimes if you were like screaming into a vacuum, you know, like if if you're making this thing and just like have it here. Uh, yeah, that's just it's just an interesting thought experiment. It's kind of how I feel on Twitter sometimes, like on my yeah. personal page, because I don't really mm -hmm. like post that much on my personal Twitter. I'm, it's really only there um, for Padreland purposes and for me to share pictures of wolves um so but like with twitter i, I sometimes just want to be like hello 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 like just like posting because yeah. like it doesn't really most of the time you're screaming into the void unless you're mm -hmm. like in a big conversation with other people on like someone else's posts yeah yeah it definitely twitter especially feels like that because you think about how many people are tweeting you know how many tweets are sent a second mm -hmm. right uh, yeah, it can definitely, definitely feel like that. But I'm glad that that your blog is getting out there, uh, and and that it's not just screaming into the void. That people are are watching and listening and reading, uh, and participating. Uh, so going forward uh, into the future, um, what do you hope to 
to get out of this? Like, where do you hope the blog goes? Well, I hope that it gets to a level, you know, um, do you know how, uh, oh shit, what's her name? I'm like totally blanking. Oh my God. Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> uh, you know, how Reese, I don't know if you're, you know, but Reese Witherspoon, she does like a monthly like book club and it's like oh, a really? big thing. Okay. Like yeah. and she'll recommend this book. And I think when I first started out, this has always been kind of in the back of my mind. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if it kind of became something like that where it was like, but it was like weekly podcast club where when I do put these recommendations out, a bunch of people listen to them. And like, that's the goal. Cause also I do, I do feature like some bigger podcasts, but majority of the podcasts on my page that I, I either recommend or I feature on the monthly feature section are indie podcasts are ones that are not chart topping. You might see them highlighted sometimes or de or you definitely won't see them highlighted yet. And so I, I want it to be a situation where a bunch of people get to see this recommendation for the purpose of being able to like listen and like discuss it. And then also for the purpose of that podcast to be able to get way more listeners. Um, so that would be really cool. And like, that's why I really want to grow my audience. Um, also, so, you know, I can do this and make revenue from it and let it be like a really large part of my working life throughout the week. Like I put a lot of hours to it already. Um, but it's only so sustainable when you have to put other hours towards making money so that you can live. Um, and so it'd be nice to get to a point where I could really put even more into it because I have even more ideas, but there's only so much I can execute at a certain point. Um, and so I just, yeah, I want to get it to a point where like really the audience is big so that these, these women are getting a lot more exposure. Yeah, and I, I think that would be super cool um, to, to be like a signal booster like that, right? Uh, that you find something that you think, oh, man, like people need to see this. This is awesome. And then you can share it. Um, and I, yeah, like, like I said before, I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, so jumping way forward in time okay. as we kind of wrap up here, um, this is this is how I like to kind of finish every, every episode is at the end of your life, um, whether you're a hundred, 150, you know, <laughs> I'm hoping for 200, that would be amazing. Right. Hey, um, technology, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Like who knows, right. I'm hopeful. So you're, you're at the end of the, your, your life, uh, and you're looking back on everything you've done, everything you've accomplished. What, what are you most proud of and what are you most satisfied with from your life? Mm, it's always such a loaded question. Um, honestly, I, I would imagine some part of it, I hope to be through the work that I'm doing because with the work that I'm doing, I hope that it will encourage people to be more inspired to work on growth and healing within themselves. And if we do that, then that outwardly makes us be able to make more healthy connections. Um, I mean, that's just, 
you know, base level, like, oh, hopefully what I put out into the world has made the world a slightly better place. But I think I'm also someone who is very much a believer in some of the most important stuff we do is in our personal connections and our personal lives. Like work is important, but nine times out of 10, I'll choose my family and loved ones over any of that. So I just hope that, um, this actually relates back to like a, a podcast episode of late night whenever with Michelle Buteau, um, her like older one, she had Tessa Thompson on it. And I really liked what Tessa Thompson said. She said something about how I hope that just my family and my friends felt like I was good to them. Um, and I just hope that that is something that my family can look back at, I guess the younger generations that come after me, I want them to feel more confident in themselves and be at a even bigger stage of healing. Cause you know, back to the transgenerational bit that I was mentioning, um, we all have stuff that we need to better ourselves at and not just better, but like grow and heal from. And that's, that's what I hope to do. And that, and I hope that I leave a legacy behind where more people in my family and outside of my family feel like they can, um, openly talk about stuff in their life and be able to just create less patterns of, uh, traumatic repetition, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being a change, uh, for the next generation and, uh, and just be, I mean, being a good person, I guess, uh, with that, uh, to, to wrap it up, uh, why don't you let everybody know uh, where they can find you and where they can find your work? Yeah, great. Um, so I'm, I'll pretty much just plug my Podgerland stuff because I'm way more active on those. But uh, you can find Podgerland on Instagram and Facebook at the same handle. It's P-O-D.D-R-A-L-A-N-D. And then on Twitter, it's at Podgerland, two Ds, no period. Um, and then the website is www.podgerland.com. Um, and if you want to check out any of my other work it's on my personal website which is www.alexandracole.com that's awesome and uh yeah so thank you again for joining me thank you for having me it was awesome getting to talk a little bit longer this time and thank you for listening not just to this show but to the people around you i know that the best thing that we can do for the world is to care for the people around us look around you in your circles and think about them and then sit down, make some time in your day, and listen intently to the people around you. Mecco, 